Day Football takes on Arkansas in Tampa for the Outback Bowl. That's why I'm in Utah. Makes total sense, right? BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, on location for the holidays. Beautiful mountains, beautiful snow. It's really nice out here. Uh, taking a look today at a couple of things before we get to a film room on Mitchell Tinsley, a guy who Penn State football fans should be very excited about when it comes to his ability to be what Penn State needs in 2022 at receiver. He announced on Christmas Eve that he was transferring to the Nittany Lions from Western Kentucky, had a massive year for the Hilltoppers and should be a shot in the arm for the Penn State offense. I'll get you my scouting report on him coming up in just a little bit. But first off, some news and notes from around uh, Tampa and what's going on with Penn State football heading into the Outback Bowl. Penn State's latest opt-out of the 2022 Outback Bowl would be defensive end Arnold Ebikidi. Another player with borderline first-round uh, ability, first-round prospects coming out of this game. So another opt-out that was expected for Penn State football. We think that we're nearing the end of the players that are going to opt-out, although Derek Tangelo has been rumored to be one of those as well. But if you want to get all the information, insight, and uh, know exactly Exactly when it happens, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Sign up for just $1 heading into the new year, and you'll get 12 months of access for that same dollar all the way till next year. Plus, it's nice when, you know, when things start and end at a, at a time makes sense. So it's not starting in October on the 3rd, and then next year it's October on the 3rd. It's January. You're getting right close to January 1st. And by the way, this deal is not going to last forever. So make sure you sign up right now. Uh, you can sign up by clicking the top link in the description below. That will take you to your sign up for one year for just $1. But with uh, with Ebikiti, it obviously is a blow for Penn State football, but one that we've expected coming into this game. And it's another place where Ebikiti has been a good run defender, but against a run-heavy team, uh, he is just another piece of that defensive line that's going to be missing, but not a key piece against the run. Obviously, his biggest area that he affects is the passing game and being able to generate consistent and immediate and effective pressure on the quarterback. Without uh, Traylon Burks on the other side, I genuinely don't know what it's going to look like for uh, Arkansas in their passing attack because they use a lot of quick game to begin with. So there might not have been a ton of pressure opportunities for Ebikidi in this game, but it does in those third and long situations that Penn State can get there. Now they don't have anyone with a proven track record of getting to the quarterback, and that may change how Anthony Poindexter is going to call this game, defensive coordinator for the game, uh, after Brent Pry left and Manny Diaz was hired. He's calling the game. I don't know if it's going to be his personality that changes how Penn State attacks the quarterback in those situations or if it's going to be the fact that they don't have their fastball as a pass rusher. No doubt it's a problem, uh, and I think I've undersold problems in the past, so I'm not going to do that here. But in this particular game, uh, the bigger losses are, in fact, the linebackers and Jaquan Brisker at safety. This is not a game where you're going to see 30 dropbacks from Arkansas. And when you do see them throw the football short, Accurate passes, a lot of play action. If you want a full breakdown of their offensive schemes, yesterday on the BWI Daily Edition, I took a deep dive into what they are. So this brings up one last thing before we get to what we're going to really talk about today, which is Mitchell Tinsley, the new receiver that arrived via the transfer portal for Penn State. That's going to be what we talk about today. One thing I want to mention, though. 
James Franklin talked about earlier this year the need to expand the playoffs to make bowls still relevant outside of the college football playoff because Ohio State football players, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, uh, several other players have opted out of the Rose Bowl for the NFL draft. Making more bowl games count is the only way to stop that from happening. That will also increase the value of regular season games because you still have an opportunity if you've lost more than one game. College football in general is largely single elimination throughout the season. You get essentially one loss depending on who it's to. So expanding the playoffs, that's true. That's going to help you. But with games like the Outback Bowl and teams that are 7-5, and five, you are not going to be able to save those games from relevance. That's just not going to happen. So what do you do? I think it's less about what you do and how you present what's happening. Bowl games have always talked about the tradition, the mystique, the playing in the bowl game, win-loss record in the bowl. The Penn State fans that I've talked to, losing it, not losing the game is the main objective. Winning is not so much, but don't lose again if you're Penn State football. That is priority one. But I think, based on who I've talked to and my view of the game and what people are asking me about is, what are the young guys going to do? What does 2022 look like? Because some fans, some Fairweather fans and some fans that, you know, just can't handle the, the sting of the loss, some of them mentally checked out at Illinois. And I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying that that's the reality is that some people check out once they know the season is not going to be to the college football playoff level, going back to what James Franklin talked about. So I think you need to market bowl games as the future. What are you going to get out of Smith-Vilbert now that Arnold Ebikidi is not in the game? Are we going to see Devon Townley? Are you going to see those linebackers burn their red shirts? Kobe King, Jamari Budden. I think in those situations, and I've talked to some of the, the people uh, at Blue White Illustrated as well, Greg Pickle and I have had uh, some conversations about this, you need to eliminate bowl games from the redshirt conversation so that we can do this, so that you can see more of the future, you can see what Penn State has behind Jaquan Brisker, you can see what Penn State has at quarterback or at running back or one of the young receivers. Give fans something to look forward to because the, the win is a relief. That's it. So have them give give them something to look forward to. And I think that comes down to as much about branding and some rule changes as it does the game itself. Now, for some people, uh, the bowl game is not going to mean anything anyway because it, it, you know, it's the Outback Bowl. And I get that. I absolutely get that. You've had enough football this year. You're shifting your focus and your thoughts to other things. But for the diehard fans and for the fans that want to know more, I think that's a good opportunity for them, and for me, makes my job easier in the offseason of actually having something to look at and tell you about on film. Speaking of film, today I'm going to give you a scouting report on Penn State's newest receiver, Mitchell Tinsley. He is the uh, player that committed to the Nittany Lions on Christmas Eve, and I spent uh, the last couple, 24 hours-ish, scouting, looking at some film, giving you a breakdown of what he is and what he's going to be and how he fits in to the Penn State roster, because I apologize, I wasn't going to do any scouting on Christmas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
So let's get into it. Uh, we'll give a look at what he does and how he performs. The first thing that you need to know is that Tinsley is almost a complete package. If you've seen uh, some scouting services, some pl places around, I know PFF is very high on Tinsley. They should be. Explosive acceleration out of his brakes. He has wide receiver one skills. Great use of speed in his routes. Great ability at 6-1 to turn and cut and be a complete route runner. Physical with the ball in his hands. Breaks tackles after the catch. We'll get to that in just a second. Good hands. Only two drops so far this season, according to PFF. Great release and patience to beat press. So he plays on the boundary. He has to be good at getting off the line of scrimmage and getting into his route. I think he does this really well of setting up defensive backs and then getting the release he wants. And, of course, plays bigger than his 6-1 frame. That is a huge thing because that's what Penn State has lacked over the last couple of years. It's something I talked to um, and uh, Taylor Stubblefield about earlier this season of what's your prototype? 6-1-205 Tinsley is that. These stats you see here according to PFF, he broke 20 tackles this season. That's tied for eighth among all receivers in the nation. Another area, explosive plays. The ball in his hands, he creates yards after catch. Another thing that Penn State has needed when it comes to missed tackles, he makes something out of them. Uh, 539 yards, that's 13th in the nation. These are great numbers. And yes, they're at Western Kentucky, but he also did it against Big Ten teams and in the bowl game. And when it comes to size, said he plays bigger than he is. The contested catch numbers are, are good, I'd say. 13 to 26, 50%. 13 contested catches, that is tied for 12th in the nation. So he has a lot of, of a variety of skills at that position. He's not a one thing or the other. He is really a complete wide receiver that played primarily on the boundary for Western Kentucky. Now, some of his numbers early in the season against Indiana were okay. He had some big plays late in the game. But going and watching the film, I was surprised. He was used mostly as a decoy, as a deep threat, as a guy that was running coverage off so they could throw underneath and get players in catch-and-run opportunities. As the season went on, I think Western Kentucky figured out really what they had in him because the final five games of the season, he had double-digit targets and in most games, double-digit catches. Getting yards after catch, physicality, explosive plays, and the ability to complete the play and get a touchdown. Break tackles, yards after catch. Those are all really great things from Tinsley and things that Penn State needed this past season. With no disrespect to Jahan Dotson, he's just a different type of receiver, and they didn't have this element to complement him uh, because Parker Washington really hadn't grown into that role just yet, and he's a slot receiver. There's more congestion over the middle. So a lot of these things that you see from Tinsley are game-changing abilities. There's, there's no way around the fact that he is a complete number one wide receiver, and everything he does is good. Everything about his profile is above average. So let's go nitpicking, right? Let's go find some things that Penn State can improve upon because uh, no player is perfect. Some of the things that I think he can do better of, and I'm starting here kind of as a joke of he's a decent blocker. He could get a little bit better, but I don't really care about my receivers blocking, even considering that he's going to be blocking on a lot of screenplays and that it is a thing that needs to improve. He can improve his route timing. 
I think sometimes he got a little lost in the sauce of trying to get set up players and set up defensive backs. If he just is a, a little more efficient in his routes, that'll improve. And some of his route running techniques, I thought, uh, despite his ability to really run great routes and to snap the stem of the route off and to run uh, in any direction with explosiveness, there were some rounded routes. There's some times that I think he gives the route away a little bit. And then this last part is simply a, simply a question. Most players that have come to Penn State through the transfer portal have gotten either bigger or stronger or faster or any of those. So as good as he is, and there is some question about his overall speed, and I would say at 205, he's a good tackle breaker, but he's not going to be a Debo Samuel as the latest flavor of tackle breaking or an A.J. Brown. Not a dominant size guy like that, but the explosiveness after the catch and and the, t- and the, the physicality through contact are definitely all there. It's just about does Penn State accentuate that in any way with the strength and conditioning program, more advanced nutrition, things like that. Can he get bigger and stronger and faster and be that guy that is an absolute dominant receiver in every phase and not just a guy that's very good at everything with some elite traits? Can he, this next year, what he's banking on coming to Penn State is becoming that guy, becoming a top 15 receiver in the draft, becoming a first-round pick in general? He's on the way there right now, playing with Sean Clifford, all of those things, playing with a quarterback that is accurate in the structure of of the offense and somebody who knows the structure of defenses and how to defeat them. Those are things he mentioned of why he wanted to come to Penn State in in general terms. I'm giving you the in-depth things. He talked to Blue White Illustrated earlier this week, so if you want to check that out, bluewhiteillustrated.com, to see exactly what he said, and you don't have to get my paraphrasing. Uh, But I think that it's a very good get for Penn State football, which is funny because for a team and for an organization in James Franklin that really doesn't like the transfer portal, they keep hitting home runs. Arnold Ebikidi, I think Johnny Dixon is going to be very good as he grows into that role. And now you've got uh, a guy that's going to be a game changer for Penn State. That is his ability in the Penn State offense to be an absolute game changer. And a guy that I think fits Mike Yurcich's offense as a vertical threat the way that you saw previously at both Texas and Oklahoma State with some guys uh, that made it to the NFL, uh, like James Washington. He's he's maybe not as physical and as strong as James Washington, but has a better overall game and has some of the similar qualities as a vertical threat that just gets downfield and can go get contested catches. So all of those things that Penn State, the secret sauce that I think they were missing last year, they absolutely nailed when they went and they got Mitchell Tinsley. So... What does this change for Penn State and the math at the receiver position, which receiver positions are always crowded, but what does that do now that you've got a guy that you presume is going to start and, in my opinion, be the number one wide receiver? All respect to Parker Washington. He's going to stay in the slot, and that's going to be something that I think is going to be really good for Penn State is that you can keep Washington in the slot, and it condenses your need for boundary receivers. Going into this offseason, I mentioned that, sure, Malik Mega played well at the end of the year, but it's one or two games. We're talking about single digits in the way that you're seeing that. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith flashed greatness for the last two years, but has also been benched in multiple games for dropping the football. Now that position is, they are splitting time at one position because Tinsley is going to slot in as long as he comes in and performs and isn't injured and all of those things. He's going to slot in as the X receiver. So one boundary receiver, one slot position, that's locked in and taken care of. Now you're condensing whatever you need into two or three roles 
farther down the pecking order. And that also allows for some slot depth that they did not have this year. Parker Washington had to play in the slot and was only the slot receiver and was the guy that took almost all of those snaps. With Caden Saunders coming in, not only do you have different elements in different play styles, but you have guys that can rotate at that position. You can now afford to move Parker Washington around and keep him, maybe move him to the boundary as well, uh, depending on what you get from Caden Saunders. You also get more juice from those three receiver sets where now you're not wondering, do we have to have two of those guys work out? We just need one of those guys to work out, and then you have a balanced, threatening formation across the field with the expectation that some of the tight ends are going to develop as well. So then you can get multiplicity in your packaging. You can go to your two or three tight end sets. You can use play action. All of those things are now on the table because you have balance across the formation, and Tinsley provides that for you with his ability to be the go-to guy. So that's what Penn State gets. They are uh, they hit a home run with their first transfer in the transfer portal. And yes, I can hear what you're saying. They still need an offensive lineman. I think they still need a tackle. That is uh, still out there. That's something they absolutely have to address one way or another. But with the players that are coming in, and you can project a little bit at the running back position with Nick Singleton, who signed uh, with Penn State in the class of 2022, explosiveness is back in the offense. Tinsley is exactly what I talked about, what they needed uh, a couple of weeks ago on the BWI Daily Edition of a guy that is a, a, a real threat to stretch the field and to be that, that guy that can go get the ball even when he's covered. All of it works, though, if Sean Clifford will throw him the football in those situations. So still improvement from the deep ball from Clifford and finding ways to push the ball down the, down the field in multiple ways. Uh, that's still going to be a key of getting the ball to these playmakers. That's still an area I need to see him develop, but he's got the weapons to do it now. Even if you have a guy like Caden Saunders coming in in a uh, specific role of a field stretcher from the slot, now you've got two of those, one in the boundary, one in the slot, and a running back that's explosive. So it's, it's a much brighter picture in 2022 for Penn State football as long as those other critical situations can be resolved one way or another along the offensive line. So Penn State, great news heading into the bowl game against uh, against Arkansas and the Outback Bowl. You can already start looking forward to 2022 if that's what you're into. I'm your host, Thomas Rankar, here on the BWI Daily Edition. Stay tuned because tomorrow we'll get a live check-in from Tampa with Greg Pickle. He is uh, en route, I think, as we speak, if you're watching this on Tuesday when it's uploaded. So we'll have a breakdown of what's going on with Penn State football, who's there, who isn't there, how the team looks, and, of course, the status of the game with everything else surrounding the team. COVID-19 and all of that. So stay tuned here on the BWI Daily Edition. Subscribe and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you tomorrow.